Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Like a drama unfolding, the curtain was open while an audience of angels was holding its breath. A census, a manger, two travel-worn strangers, the stage was finally set. Angels folded their wings at the throne of worshiping as God whispered, I love you, my son. Jesus took off his crown and laying it down said father thy will be done the time had now come for god's only son to be born as a light in a dark lonely place so he stepped from heaven's hall to bethlehem stall where a star lit his newborn and tears play the trumpet the horns and the strings tell the shepherds and wise men and all who will hear command all of the angels to sing fill the sky with their voices and Tommy. Well, I want to share a little bit of God's Word with you this morning. I want to talk a little bit about the first Christmas, and on the subject of the first Christmas, I want to, I want to take a survey. I hope I am not um, putting anyone on the spot 
this morning because I, I know that even though this is not the first Christmas uh, for us, it's possible that this is the first Christmas for you in some form or fashion. Uh, for instance, I want to just take a survey. Is this who in the room? We're going to do a raise your hand kind of moment. This is your first Christmas as a married couple. All right, right back here. All right, congratulations. First Christmas as a married couple. Uh, this is your first Christmas as a parent. Awesome, congratulations to these guys. Um, this is one we're probably not going to clap for, but uh, 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 something that I, I, you know, I qualify for. This is your first Christmas without someone you love dearly. Parent, child, friend, yeah. Um, how many in the room, this is your first Christmas as part of our church? Awesome. Wow, let's give them a hand. We're so glad that God has brought you our way in the last 12 months. And I don't know, is there someone in the room today? Maybe there are several people. This is your first Christmas to ever be a Jesus follower. You've started following Jesus in the last 12 months. Awesome. We're so glad. Christmas always brings first for us. First time. Some of those first are painful. Some of them are celebratory. Some of them are memorable. Um, and I think they're all memorable in the same way. But nonetheless, whether you've been dreading this Christmas because you knew it was your first Christmas in a different circumstance, or whether you've been, couldn't wait for Christmas because you knew this is your first Christmas and uh, in a way to celebrate that you never celebrated before. The truth is, Christmas is here, and Christmas brings a particular message to us. And I want us to read about the first Christmas. I want to ask you to read this with me. Luke chapter 2 is going to be on the screen. Follow along with me, uh, if you will. It said, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. In verse number 3, it says, And everyone returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from, village, from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, who was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, and they laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available to them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, did not be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people, the Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in the city of David. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was a baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, 
and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Father, I pray the next minutes of time as we look to your word, as we talk about what does Christmas speak to us, I pray that you will let this truth speak to us personally, that we will leave this place in a few moments encouraged knowing that you are Emmanuel, you are God with us. And Christmas, whether it's the first time we've been in the church, the first time with a new child, the first time without a loved one, or whatever that first is we may be celebrating today, I pray that we will also, if not for the first time, that we will have a renewed sense of your presence in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Christmas is, it is my favorite time of year. It, it really is. Um, if you were asking me what's my favorite season, I would say summer because I like it hot, not freezing cold. Uh, water pipes don't burst in the summertime, so I like summer. But Christmas is my favorite season. I love everything about it. My kids and I have been out to look at Christmas lights at least 14 times, uh, and, and I use them as an excuse, but the truth is I want to go see the lights. And I just love everything about it, and it seems like the older I get, uh, the more sentimental I am becoming about it. But Christmas, it, it, it marks something. Uh, in God's Word, it marks the, the beginning of Jesus' life. It marks a journey of Him becoming our Redeemer, our Savior. It speaks to us that things that were are about to change. And I'll just say this to you this morning. Uh, whether this Christmas seems sort of mundane or whether it is an exciting time because it's the first time, either way, I want to tell you that Christmas can mark for you that things change because where the presence of Jesus is, anything and everything can change. So what can change? What does Christmas speak to me? There's a few things I want to share with you. Number one, Christmas, the first Christmas meant this, that the waiting for change was over. Right? In Luke chapter 2, the angel said, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, has been born, and there's this big word, today. He says, you don't have to wait for salvation another week, another month, another year, and I don't know about you, but does anyone feel like, maybe the kids in the room, does anyone feel like Christmas takes forever to get here? Like we've had a calendar in our house that our girls change every day, and it seems like sometimes it takes Christmas forever to get here. When the angels appear to the shepherds, the angels are basically telling them, listen, your wait for the Savior is over. And, and you, have to, you feel like we have been waiting for Christmas for a long time. These shepherds, not that they were this old, but humanity had been waiting for a Savior for somewhere between 4,000 and 6,000 years. Between Genesis chapter 3, where we, fall, we find the fall of man, when sin entered the world, when God gives a promise that we'll talk about in just a minute, how He's going to fix our sin issue through His Son Jesus. Humanity has been looking forward to a Savior coming. And the closer it got as the years came, God began to review, re, reveal more and more ways, more and more identifying marks on how you would know if it was the Savior. And now the angel comes and he says, the waiting is over. Aren't you glad just in any time of your life when you know the wait's over? 
You're at a restaurant, they call your number, they say your name, the wait is over. I mean, these guys were waiting for the greatest thing on earth, for their sins to be forgiven, and they were saying the wait is over. There's a song we sing around Christmas time that, that, that's called O Holy Night. It's one of my favorite songs. But in one of the verses of that song, there's this, this verse that says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. I don't know if you've ever sang that verse, and you maybe you wonder, what, is, what does it mean? Long lay the world in sin and error pining. What's the writer of that song talking about? He's talking about for thousands of years, people had a sin problem with no sin solution. How many understand that we've all had a sin problem, right? If you said, no, not me, I've never had a sin problem, then all that means is you're still stuck in your sin problem. Now, your sin problem is so big, you don't even recognize you have one yet. But all of us, the, the Bible says none of us are sinless, none of us are perfect. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That Christmas song says, long lay the world in sin and error pining. When I hear that verse, my mind kind of goes to people in the Bible who have had to just kind of live with their sin and their error Pining. That word pining means kind of grinding away at them. I think of Samson when he had had his, had his, bought with, his bout with Delilah and, and sinned away his, his, the power of God in his life. And he has left. He's spending his days. He's being basically used as a mule, just grinding grain. He's pushing a, he's pushing a grinder. That's all the strength he has. He's just, that's, it's just, it's just, his life is a grind. He's just grinding away. Sin has robbed everything of him. I think of Jonah, who because of sin is just stuck in the belly of a great fish for days. I think of the children of Israel because of their sin. They're walking around a mountain for 40 years. They're just going over and over. It's mundane. Sin and air are pining. You can look at when, the, when we find the people of God at the first Christmas, the, the shepherds are keeping watch over these sheep. And these sheep, most scholars believe these sheep are, they're not just any sheep. They are sheep that are being saved, are, 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 are being kept for the purpose of being a sacrifice in the temple that's a short uh, short walk away from Jerusalem. That's why they're out there. That's why they're so close to where Jesus is. These are sheep that are going to be sacrificed. These shepherds are just part of the process of trying to trying to, 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 to come up with a temporary relief for sin. They're just, they're just in their sin. You know what sin does to you and what it does to me? It just pines away at us. It grinds on us. Pastor, this is Sunday morning, Christmas. Why are you talking about sin? Because Jesus came to be our Savior from our sins. So for no longer, not a second of your life, are you supposed to be in sin and error or pining. Instead, you're supposed to be free from sin and living for Jesus. That's what Christmas does. And the wait for that is over. Genesis chapter 3 Thousands of years for the first Christmas, God promised that there would be a seed out of the woman who would crush the head of the enemy. He was speaking of Jesus. And the angel says, that time has come. Sin doesn't have to rule over you any longer. You can rule over sin through the Savior, Jesus. Number two, Christmas tells us that Salvation is for everybody. Nudge your neighbor and say it's for everybody. The angel reassured them, don't be afraid. 
I tell you good news that'll be for all people. All people. That is, sometimes if you ever wonder why did God appear to shepherds? Why not, why not some business people in town? Why not the banker in town? Why not the, the religious people in town? Why, why did they choose shepherds? One of the reasons I believe he appeared to shepherds was because shepherds were the least likely people to be celebrated. But the very fact that the angels appeared to them, he didn't just give them a message that salvation is for everybody. He proved it was for everybody by telling them. See, in those days, if you weren't of a certain pedigree, heritage, people class, you were kind of considered on the outside of God's favor. As a matter of fact, when, when even John the Baptist had moments of doubt as whether Jesus was the Messiah, I mean, he even sent Jesus a message one day and asked him, hey, are you really the Messiah or should we look for someone else? Jesus said, well, tell him, tell him the, hey, the blind see, tell him the deaf hear. But then he gave them this one more bit of information. He said, and tell him the gospel is preached to the poor. Reminding him that I'm not just preaching to those who are, who are the up and coming. But I'm preaching to the down and out because the word of God, the salvation of God is for everybody. Which, by the way, friends, it means it's for, it's for you. The third message of Christmas is this. Not only is the gospel for everybody, not only can you experience salvation this morning. And Christmas reminds us that all of us can be saved. So it simply means you know, sometimes I, I use that word saved and salvation. I've been in church my whole life, so I know exactly what that means. But I also understand that word can seem kind of churchy to a lot of people. I mean, what does it mean to be saved? Well, the Webster's Dictionary gives us a really basic definition of what it means to be saved. It says to be free from sin and the consequences thereof. That everything that the damage of our life created, God can forgive it and heal it. I'm so thankful for that. The third thing I want to share this morning is that not only can God save anyone, God can use anyone. Now, how many of you have already opened some Christmas presents today? All right, some of you. When I was growing up, the, uh, there was a coveted, a coveted job in our house, and the coveted job was to be the present passer-outer. Are, they, are there any present passer-outers in the house? you ever had arguments? Well, if you're going to be the present passer-outer, there's a, not just a job, there's a uniform. And if you're going to be the present passer-outer, you've got to wear the uniform, which consists of whatever you're wearing plus a hat. And I know you're amazed at how good I make this look. But we, we would argue over who got to be the present passer-outer and whoever got to be the, the gift passer-outer got to put the hat on and they got to press, pass out the gifts. And these shepherds, they came and they saw Jesus, but the Word says they didn't just see Him and go home and said, that was awesome. The Bible says they put on their passer-outer hat and they began to tell everyone they saw about the gift they had found. I put on this hat today because how many of you have seen more than one of these this season? 
You can probably go to Walmart and get these on sale starting tomorrow. But I hope that from now on, every time you see a Christmas hat, you'll think of more than just the big bearded guy. Not talking about me, the other one. <laughs> I hope this hat will remind you that, that we're supposed to be, this is a technical term, passer-outers. We're supposed to not just be gospel recipients. We're supposed to be gospel sharers. And here's the thing. God can use anyone to be a sharer of his gift. If you qual I mean, these shepherds, think about how much they knew. They were keeping sheep. God interrupted their sheep-keeping experience showed them Jesus, they heard that he was going to be the Savior, and that was enough for them to tell others. Sometimes we've, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I can't tell people how God has changed my life because I don't know enough. You know, you, need to, you don't need to know everything to share your faith. All you need to know is what God has done for you. And if, you, if God has done something for you, then he has done enough for you to share that story with someone else. Then, Megan, if you want to come, here's my last, my last word for you this morning. is that Christmas reminds us that God's word never fails. The shepherds, in verse 20, it says, they went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God. Listen to this. For all they'd heard and had seen, for it was just as the angel had told them. See, Christmas is not just the story of what God did. It was also a confirmation for how thousands of years God had kept his word. Sometimes I hear people, when we talk about the promises of God, I hear people say things like, well, you know, that was, that was hundreds of years ago. That was thousands of years ago. That was a different time and a different place. You know what God's? got a track record of keeping his word over time. Did you know what God's word does not have, God's promises does not have expiration dates. They don't go sour, they don't go off. He keeps his word. And Christmas reminds us that the word of God is true. The word of the angels was true. The word of God to Mary was true. The word of God to Joseph was true. And the word of God to us is true. First Corinthians says no matter how many promises of God's word that there are, all of them are yes, and they're amen. And the promise of God that prevailed for 4,000 years of waiting can prevail in your life as well on this Christmas morning because God keeps His Word. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. And I've just got three prayer points this morning for all of us. My first prayer point is this. If you have not, and if you are not a Jesus follower, you've never trusted your life to Him, you've never humbled your, yourself enough just to admit, you know what, I am in need of a Savior. I do have a sin problem. If you're like me, for years I tried to hide my sin problem, I tried to excuse my sin problem, I tried to bury my sin problem under good things I've done, but here's the thing, you can't, 
You can't bury sin. It keeps coming up. The effects of it keep coming up. The destruction of it keeps coming up. But you can have it eradicated from your life. Jesus transforms our sin that was like red as scarlet and can make it white like snow. And today, if you're not a Jesus follower, but on this day, you want to take full advantage of salvation. You want to start following Jesus today in a private moment. Would you just lift your hand and say, ask me, Pastor, pray for me. I need to start following Jesus today. Amen. Secondly, church, I hope that we would become, Christmas will remind us that we have good news to share. If you are a Christ follower, you have good news to share. People's lives can change. All of us, if I were to go around the room this morning, I would ask you, have you do you know someone whose life is in a destructive cycle? Do you know someone who is who has just entered into a life that just it, it's it's so predictable because they're not following Christ that they keep inviting destruction in their life. Do you know that God can change their life? And do you know that, God, that Christmas reminds us that He can and will and desires to use us in bringing other people to a knowledge of Jesus if we left if we let Him? So my second prayer is this: that Father use us. To be gospel sharers. Use us to be truth tellers. And use us to be your voice and drawing people closer to the heart of the Father. And then my last word is this. Lord, help us to trust your word. Christmas reminds us that you keep your word. You keep your promises. If you spoke it, it will come to pass. So, God, I pray that there's those this morning that's wrestling with doubt. They're striving with trust. They're having difficulty yielding and believing your word. I pray that today they realize that you have been faithful before. You've been faithful to others. And you will be faithful to them. And you will do that in the seat of of their life as well. I pray Christmas will always speak to us about who you are, how you can use us, how you redeem us, and the life you have before us. And we'll give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you join me by standing all across this room today? I just want to pray a Christmas blessing over you before you go. So God, I just pray with the people today. God, I pray the presence of Jesus would be the greatest present that they experience this season. God, I pray that whatever their day is, may their strength be also. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day, and God bless.